0: We are wrapping up our series on prayer called Crying Out Loud. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at some particular aspects of prayer, habits of prayer, that would encourage us just to go deeper and become more serious in our prayer life. If, if you're a golfer, which many, many of you are, you're probably what's called a hacker. You go out on the Friday or Saturday, hit some balls around, and have a good time. But, but if you're a serious golfer, a professional golfer... You don't go just to hack it around. You don't go when it's convenient. You make a disciplined effort that every day you're working on aspects of your game to improve it. And when we get serious about prayer, prayer moves from being just a hobby, something that works in the convenient spaces of our lives, to a discipline that we are working to get better at prayer. I am growing in my own prayer life realizing I'm not taking it as seriously as I should. That if God really wants to do incredible things, miraculous things through prayer, and if it's true that I can't do anything on my own without his help, that I need to be crying out to God in a deeper way. And so if you read through scripture, you find out that some of the prayer habits are very different than our prayer habits. For example, we bow our heads, close our eyes, pray quietly. Well, we talked about how to pray vocally that first week, that most of the prayers in the Bible were were people actually crying out to God, lifting their voices up to God. We talked about praying humbly, how the pattern in scriptures: people, when they came before God, confessed their sins, admitted their wrongs, and, and the wrongs that are their people. Seeing what God sees in their life. We talked about praying jointly. That when we come together as one and lift up our voices, there's power in the prayers. And then last week we talked about praying tenaciously. How how like Epaphras, a man in the Bible, wrestled in prayer. That we're going to wrestle with God in prayer, and not give up until God acts, until God responds, until God does what only God can do. Well, today I want to talk about praying hungrily, hungrily. I want us to hunger to see God work in our lives in prayer. And I'm going to talk about fasting today, something that probably many of you have never, ever practiced, but a very biblical discipline to give up food for a period of time for a specific reason. Now, there are people who fast for political reasons. There are people that, that fast for health reasons. There are actually people that fast for religious reasons. In other religions, Hinduism and Islam and other, other religions, people fast. But their fast is to please their God, to, to earn favor with their God. But in the Bible, people fasted because they desired more of God. They desired God more than food. In fact, really at the heart of fasting, it's this, that I crave God's voice more than food, more than anything, really. I crave God's voice more than anything, And I hope that's your desire today because some of you are in a place of life where you need to hear from God about a relationship, about a decision you have to make, about a financial matter, about a health issue. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from God more than you need that lunch today. You need to hear from God more than you need that that piece of dessert. You need to hear from God more than that snack and more than the coffee. And if you knew that God would answer, if you took it seriously, you would give up that thing. You'd give up that food to get that answer. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. Have your prayers ever reached the place where you said, God, I'm willing to give up Something important to pursue you, to hear from you. And I hope that when you leave today, if you've never fasted today, you will join us as a church in trying it this week. And so let's just go to God in prayer. Ask him to speak to us. Ask him to stir within us a hunger that could only be satisfied in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you come to us today as the bread of life, wanting to nourish us and feed us. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts of the great banquet you have prepared for us, if only we would hunger for it. So, Lord, I pray that by the time we leave today that you would be so much in our minds, Lord, that it supersedes every other delight or desire we would have. In Jesus' name, amen. When you got up today, you had a meal called what? Breakfast. Break fast. You are breaking your fast <clears throat> because you didn't eat all night unless you sleepwalked and hit the refrigerator. <laughs> From the time you, you ate dinner or your snack last night until breakfast, you didn't eat. And you break the fast with breakfast, eggs or toast or coffee and a muffin, whatever it is you had for breakfast, you broke the fast. Fasting is a biblical practice, and it's an important practice for believers. Because food dominates our lives. And I'm realizing the older I get, I'm almost ashamed to admit, I, I think a lot about food. When my wife and I go on vacation, you know, food, where are we going to eat dinner tonight? Where are we going to eat lunch tomorrow? Where are we going to eat dinner? Next, what are we having later? You get done with one meal. That was good. Now what's next? And you just talk about food. And you get hungry for snacks in the middle of the day. And, oh, that sounds good. And I'd love to munch on that. And Man, it just dominates Churches are not known for fasting. Churches are known for eating, for potlucks, right? If our seniors are having an event, they advertise, actually, we're going to have pie this week, or we're going to have uh, hamburgers this week. They advertise the actual food because we're all curious. What are we going to eat when we get there? You no, know, is it going to be pizza? What is it? I want to know because I love food. And so that's just a dominant part of our lives. And fasting is saying, I hunger for something even more, than food. Now, interestingly, God made our bodies to both desire and require food. So we have to have food for fuel. And isn't it good that not only do we have to have it, we like having it. We like it a lot. We like it so much that we've got gyms all across this country <laughs> filled up with people who've had too much of a good thing. Rick Warren, a pastor in California, several years ago, he was baptizing people. They had like 800 baptisms one Sunday. He baptized all these people. He said it was like tens of thousands of pounds of people baptized. But he realized this. Sadly, he said, you know what? I realize how many of our church members are overweight. And then he looked in the mirror and said, and I'm the poorest example. And he made a commitment that day that he was going to lose weight. And his whole church went on this pledge of you know what we need to get in better shape these temples of the holy spirit need to be in better shape and they lost hundreds of thousands of pounds as a church this big church because they wanted to get in shape because food is such a passion of ours food is such a part of our culture and it's it's physically desirable but you know it's psychologically even when you even when your body doesn't need it you think about food i mean I, i have to admit every couple hours i'm thinking about man a candy bar sounds good A snack right now would sure be good. Man, that ice cream, that would be good. And the thought of skipping a meal, I mean, honestly, I hear people miss a meal and go, I'm dying. I didn't have lunch. I didn't eat since breakfast. I'm going to die. And no, you won't. Most of us can afford in our culture to go for days without eating, and it's not going to hurt us a bit. But just the thought of it psychologically, like, "I, I couldn't do that. I would shrivel up into nothing. Prove it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. In fact, what your body does, starts to eat all the fat, all, all the fat stored up. And then it gets to a place where it says, okay, the fat's gone. Let's slow down the metabolism. And it levels out. Fasting is a very biblical practice. I remember the very first time I fasted. I was in Bible college, and we were creating an awareness for world hunger. So we fasted for 36 hours. And I'm embarrassed to admit that for 36 hours, I was counting the hours until I could eat. 30 to go, 24 to go, just 12 more hours and I can eat. 30 minutes and I can eat. And as soon as we hit the 36 hours, you know, we just gorged. And, and, and that's not the purpose of fasting, to see how long you can go without and then just, just eat everything you skipped. That's not the whole goal. The goal is just to pause. And I've learned as I've walked with the Lord longer, when I intentionally go into a fast, mentally I'm prepared. Like I've already said no to that meal. It's not even an option, because I'm going to fill that time with prayer. And you know what? I've, I've watched God do some miraculous things. There was a season, a very difficult season as a church, where we were looking at building this building, and we set out a period of time, 40 days of prayer. And I determined for that I was going to fast the first and the last weeks of that, the bookends. And um, it was hard in some ways, but it was very beautiful because I saw God work in ways and answer prayers. For some reason, God has chosen to couple this desire to give up food to seek Him with prayer, because you often see fasting and prayer together, that that incredible things happen. So I want to look at some people in the Bible for a little bit, because they prove that fasting creates a, a hunger for a greater manifestation of God. It's like fasting turns into feasting. Fasting from physical food turns into feasting on spiritual food. It's like saying, God, I'm giving this up because I'm just, that doesn't satisfy anymore. The donuts don't satisfy anymore. The cake doesn't satisfy. The steak doesn't satisfy anymore. I want more grace. I want more, more wisdom. I want more power. I want more favor. I want to see more people saved. I want to see more people delivered. I want to see more people healed. God, that's what I want. That's what thrills me more. That's what, that's what makes me so hungry. And when you get that hunger, it's like you can't get enough of it. God, I want more of it. I want more of it. If I can have this instead of food, I'll take this. And God blesses it. And we look through characters in the Bible. And I've listed several scripture of men and women of faith who practice fasting. And we're not going to have time to go through every story, but I will read a a couple of them. One is David. David um, committed a sin with Bathsheba, his neighbor, when um, Bathsheba's husband was at war. She became pregnant. And so to cover it up, David had Uriah Bathsheba's husband killed at the front of the battle lines, and then he married Bathsheba. But God told him, as a result of your sin, that child's going to die. And so David fasted and and mourned and cried out to God not to take the baby. We we have a a character in the Old Testament named Ezra. Ezra was a priest, and when the Israelites were taken into captivity, and we'll talk more about that when we get into Daniel, when they were taken into captivity, they um, were brought back. They were brought back into Jerusalem, and a man named Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple. And then Ezra, the priest, came to rebuild them spiritually. And there's this interesting passage in chapter 8, starting with verse 21. They, were, um, they had tons of silver and gold that the king of Persia and the, and the people of Israel had all contributed to the building of the temple. Tons. Tons of silver and gold. They are going to take it from, from Persia all the way over to Jerusalem, but they know the journey is going to be difficult. They know they're going to be the target of thieves with this great bounty. So it says in verse 21, there by the Ahava Canal, Ezra says, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. We know we're a target. God, we need you. And so we're going to fast. This is serious business. We're going to fast about this and pray. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king... The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his anger is against all who forsake him. So here's what Ezra did. King, you need to know this. When you give your life to God, he takes care of you. So now it comes to they're going to haul all this bounty into Jerusalem, and he says, how can I go ask the king for help? when I just told him that if we trust God, God's going to take care of us. I can't do that. So God, you've got to show up. I need your security team to get us through. Because that's all we have. And here's what happened. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, was disturbed because the walls around Jerusalem had been burnt down. The gates, those famous gates, had been burned. And when he heard how distressed the people were, it says in Nehemiah chapter 1 that he wept and fasted and prayed for several days before he ever went to the king to ask for permission to go back and help rebuild the walls. We find a lady named Esther. Esther was the queen of the king Artaxerxes. And her uncle told her that there was a plot to exterminate all the Jewish people. A guy named Haman had this plot that was going to exterminate all the Jewish people. And Mordecai said to Esther, God needs you to intervene. You need to talk to the king to give mercy. And so if we flip over to um, the book of Esther, in the fourth chapter, 16th verse, Esther says, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I want to do everything I can to to petition God to give me favor before the king. And I want all of you to join me in fasting with me and praying with me for this very thing. And her prayer was answered. We find Daniel... Um, A lot of stories about Daniel we'll look at in the next coming weeks. But Daniel, chapter 9, is all about a long prayer that he gave before the Lord. And it says that he humbled himself with fasting before the Lord. Of course, you know about Jesus. Jesus, when he went into the wilderness, right after his baptism, he was led into the wilderness and says, um, after 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. Now, isn't that an understatement? After 40 days, he was hungry. How about after two days, he was hungry? How about after five days? After 40 days... Then it started getting to him. Oh, he was very hungry. Very hungry after 40 days. And then there's this lady named Anna. We read about her in the Gospels. Anna was a lady who longed to see the coming of the Lord, prayed for the Messiah, the day of redemption for Israel. And so in the second chapter of Luke, it says in the 37th verse, there was a widow until she was 84. Anna was her name. And she never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, she fasted and prayed that God would bring the redemption of Israel. In walks this young couple, Joseph and Mary, with little baby. And She goes, my prayer's been answered. What would happen if you began to hunger more for a manifestation of God, for God's voice, for God's encounter to be in your presence? What would it do if you longed for that so greatly that you're saying, I'm willing to give up food for a day or for a few days in order for God to reveal himself in a powerful way? Would it be worth it? These characters from the Bible, and there's more than these, are all telling us, yes, it's worth it because God wants to know we're serious about the things we're praying about. Now, fasting is a tangible way we humble ourselves and depend on God. David says in Psalm 35, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You either get to humble yourself, that's your choice, or you get humbled by God, which is not very fun. I'm telling you. When God humbles you, he brings you down pretty low. So fasting is a way that we actually humble ourselves and say, God, I'm dependent upon you. Just as I'm dependent upon food, I'm dependent upon you. James chapter 4 says humble ourselves before the Lord and he will lift us up. Now, the ironic thing with fasting is fasting, even though it can humble you, can also be a source of pride. Remember that Pharisee Jesus talked about who looked at the tax collector and said, ha. I'm not like him. I fast twice a week. He doesn't. I'm better than him. I'm superior to him because I fast. And the temptation when you're fasting, and I'll speak from experience, the temptation is to kind of hint to other people, yeah, I'm, I'm really serious with God right now in my life. So do you want to go to lunch? No, I'm on my eighth day of fasting right now, and I can't. Yeah. Okay. Now, now they feel ashamed that they even want to eat lunch because you're fasting, you're spiritual, and you're fasting. It's, It's... You have to be real humble about your approach to fasting, even among your own family, of just being very quiet about it. And maybe if you're drinking liquids, you join the family at the table, you drink, but you don't eat and you don't talk about yourself. Because really, fasting isn't about you and your willpower, it's about God and your hunger for God. That's why Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, he instructs us how to approach this time of fasting. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. He says if, if you're fasting in order to impress others, how spiritual you are, and someone says, Oh, I wish I could be like you, and that's awesome, man. That is so great. He says, that's your reward. You just got your reward. Praise of man, but don't expect anything from me. God wants the praise to come from him. He wants us to have pure motives. He wants our motives not to be ourselves and how we look to others. He wants our motive to be the glory of God in our lives. When you fast, you make a statement. You make a statement that that what you're fasting for is, is greater than the Appetite because when you fast you're waging war on the appetites that can actually usurp God in your life. What I mean by that are there are things that God has made good that can rise to the level of God in your life. Food, drink, work, pleasure, laughter, sex. All these things that are good and perfect gifts from the Father, they can rise to a level of addictiveness. You you heard of workaholics? Heard of foodaholics? Heard of shopaholics. I mean, all these things can, can become addictive because we love them so much. We love the gift more than the giver. And that's the danger. I think the greatest danger that believers face today is not the evil in the world. It's the domination of the good in our lives. That I don't need more of God because I have these things. I'm satisfied. In fact, I like these things quite a bit. I mean, I, 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 and I don't like food. I love food. I don't really like sex. I love sex. I don't only really like work. I take a lot of meaning and, and uh, satisfaction and form my identity out of my work. You know, one of the things that's big today, that's so big today, is technology. I mean, you have people walking around, I mean, like this, and they're, and they're kind of like, oh, excuse me. Um, you know, they're, they're doing this. You can't even get a conversation because they're, they're locked into their phone. And the thought of giving this thing up is like torture. And yet we, we live for years without these things. Yet the thought of, of saying no to your phone for a week. Like, ah, oh, how will I communicate with people? Well, how'd you do it before? You know, there's ways to do that, but we're so addicted to that. TV, you know, all this technology, music, all, all of it can be very addictive to us, and they're good things. That's the problem, because we don't know where to stop. And when you abstain from something, you make a statement of, my desire, my appetite will not win the battle I want to show myself and show to God that these things will not take control of me. Jesus told a parable once in Luke chapter 8, a parable of the soils. And he says some of the seed of the gospel fell on thorny soil. And he says the, feed that, uh, the seed that fell among the thorns, um, it represents those who, as they go on their way, they're choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Notice that. The worries... Riches and pleasures, good things that choke out your relationship with God. Watch out for those good things. And food is one of those good things that can choke out the better things. I'm ashamed how much I love food at times. I'm ashamed that I think of it as often as I do. And you know what fasting does for me? It's my declaration to my stomach Hey, buddy, you are not calling the shots today, you are not determining my schedule. You're not going to tell us what we're going to do today. You just calm down a little bit, little buddy, because I'm in charge, you're not. I'm the master, you're my servant. Here's what we're going to eat, and here's when we're going to eat it. okay? I mean, it's really just kind of declaring to yourself, to your stomach, to your appetite of, of who's the boss, because the Apostle Paul says, "I will not be mastered by anything." There are a lot of good things in life, but I will not be mastered by anything. And it's a declaration to your appetite that you will not be the master. I will. And through the Holy Spirit's help, through His control, I will take charge over that aspect of my life. When we fast, it tells us that we are satisfied the most in God. Remember that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when you say, I hunger for food physically. I hunger for God spiritually. There's a little battle, which is going to win. It's like my body says to sleep. My spirit says stay awake and pray. There's a battle going on. You're in a relationship. My body says have sex, have sex. My my spirit says we're not married yet. Let's wait, let's wait. That would honor God. There's this battle between the spirit and the flesh, and you want the spirit to have victory over the flesh. You don't fast because you hate Wall Street. And the purpose of your fast isn't just getting ready for a colonoscopy. You fast because you want to be satisfied in God. I mean, sometimes for health reasons other reasons, you got, to, okay, doctor says I have to fast. Can't eat for a day. That's not a spiritual fast, okay? Spiritual fast says I'm hungering for God because I need more of God in my life. I want to be satisfied the most in God. David says in Psalm 63, verse 1, you, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. It's so here, this appetite, this, this physical hunger. God's describing to us that the physical hungers he gives us are reflective of the spiritual hunger. That's why we're told in the Scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. why God give us taste buds? Partly so we enjoy food, but also to say, you know what, I want you to know that you can taste the Lord spiritually. And know that he's very good. He's delicious. He's wonderful. I want you to know that. Remember the Israelites, when they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, God provided this miraculous food called manna. And every day, they would get up, and there would be this stuff that was kind of like sugar-frosted flakes. And they would go out and gather it for the morning, and they would, meet, they would eat it every day, all you know, for lunch, or breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they would, they would eat manna. Now, I'm sure, it got, I'm sure it got old. They probably made, like, um, Bamana bread. Um, uh, probably had manna You know, just different ways to fix it. Probably got old. But what they were learning was every day God's going to provide manna, okay? Because they'd spoil at the end of the day. The next day there'd be fresh manna. It happened for six days. On the sixth day they'd actually double up their supply because on the seventh day God didn't provide any. It was the Sabbath. He didn't want them working on the Sabbath. And if you go back and look at why God did this to them, Here's what he explains. Moses says in in Deuteronomy 8, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. Why? Here's here's the purpose. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There was an object lesson. Just as God was providing the, the, the manna every morning, he says, just as you depend on that every day, you depend on the Lord's voice every day. You don't just live on physical food. You live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The reason you hunger for meals so regularly is because spiritually you have that need in your spiritual life as well. You can't go Sunday to Sunday getting fed. You should be getting fed every single day in your walk with the Lord. You can't live on bread alone, but on the voice that comes from God. And so we have to crave this. We want to be satisfied. I love what the psalmist says, Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, and being with you I desire nothing on earth. God, you are the one that satisfies me. Truly, I need to feed on your word. So we fast from food. We say no to this appetite. But the goal isn't just to avoid food. The goal is to hear God's voice and obey it. And that's, that's really the purpose. When fasting is done right, it leads to obedience. There's a rebuke given in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. God is speaking to the Israelites, and he's, and he's kind of chastising them, saying, You fast? You think it's a good thing, but it's not a good thing. Here's why. Starting with verse 6 of 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will shine excuse me, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your, your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here am I. He said, you guys are fasting, but you're missing, missing it. You're fasting and disobeying me at the same time. They don't go together. You fast to hear my voice and respond to my voice. Your family's crying out in need. Your neighbors are crying out in need. You're not even listening to that. When you fast, you want to hear God's voice and then obey it. And that's what Jesus shows us. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, this is my food. You want to know what I eat, what fills me? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I feel more satisfied obeying God than doing anything else, even eating bread. And if Jesus felt satisfied with that, how would we feel satisfied in our obedience to God? So I want to urge you, to look at your life and say, God, I hunger for you more than anything. There are some areas of my life where I need to see you come through and you to show up. And so, I want you to fast this week. And I want you to, do, to answer three questions. First, what kind of fast? It could be a fast that's um, totally off of food. I'm not going to eat any, any food for these days. or uh, I'm just going to drink liquids. I remember Bill Bright, when he'd go on 40-day fast, he would say that anything you could get through a straw was, was permissible and I just want to tell you, if you go to Lark Burger, they have these really big fat straws they use for shakes. <laughs> you can probably get small chunks of steak through that. But if your purpose is not to eat solid food, then just avoid that. Just drink water or clear juices um, and just devote yourself to the Lord. Now, I know some people have medical issues. A lady today said she couldn't fast from all food. And I said, how about sweets? She goes, oh, darn. <laughs> Breads. Yeah, oh, yeah. So what, what are you kind of addicted to? My daughter and I, one time during Lent, when she was in high school, we decided we were not going to have sweets or meats for 40 days. You know what? Those are my two favorite parts of the meal. I got so tired of salad and potatoes and all through that time. But that was our commitment. We're doing this together. And we as a church want to do a fast together. So determine what kind of fast you're going to do. And then for how long? I put on your bulletin some choices. You know, you can fast. For for a short period or a long period, if you've never fasted, I would just say, let's start out small. Now, don't just say, I'm going to fast for one meal. I mean, honestly, when I fast, the first meal is the hardest to get through. And I'm thinking a lot about food. But if I go to the second day or third day, I start to get my mind off food and focused on while I'm fasting. So I encourage you, stretch yourself a little bit. Determine that I'm going to use that time of not eating for prayer. I'm going to tell God... How I don't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from his mouth. I'm going to tell him how he he satisfies that deeper appetite that I have. And then determine your purpose. And I'm going to ask our church if we would focus on something during the fast this week. Our staff is going to be going away in the near future to look at goals for 2017. We want your prayers. Prayer for church direction. Prayer for leaders to lead this church in the right direction. But also to pray for our nation to go in the right direction. We're at a crossroads This is is probably an election that has incredible things at stake. And I know people are very frustrated with both of the candidates, but we need God's wisdom in the midst of this. We need God to show up and do his will within our leaders. We need God to raise up people who he can use in public office, whether it's the president or senators or governors, whatever the office is. We need to seek direction for our country. And so I'm going to ask you, this week, if you decide, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to fast through breakfast and lunch and just eat dinner all week long. That's just going to be a thing. I'm just going to eat dinner Monday through Friday. Or for two days, I'm going to fast the whole day. You know, I'm going to skip breakfast, lunch, and dinner for those days. Or I'm just going to, it's new to me, I'm going to fast just for one day. And, and pick that day. Just pick it. But, but fast. Pick a period that's going to be a little bit of a sacrifice for you to stretch you. And say, God, I'm going to cry out for you to show up. Because we need him to show up, Right? Don't you hunger for God more than you hunger for what's waiting for you at lunch? Isn't there something going on in your life right now that you said, God, if you would come through, it would satisfy me more than that piece of pizza, more than that, um, more than that food I'm gonna get at that restaurant, more than what my sweetheart's made at home, more what you could do for me is far greater than anything. I long for you to heal up this marriage. God, I, I long for you to save that person. God, I long for you to heal this body. What, what are you longing for? And even today, Maybe there's something going on in your own personal life that you're longing for. You need to hear God more than you need to hit the coffee bar.